You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to Everyone Calling a Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host and paralegal uh, at the law offices of Smith & Hunter, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have the NFL's top free agent fan and resident old man, Clark Barnes, starter of the of the hashtag Please Stay Regé Jean Page movement and working girl Jordan Smith. And admirer of the Mac Jones workout plan, the Ginger Woodsman, Nick Botterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Doing great. Just got my second Vax dose this morning. So if I start to sundown <laughs> during this podcast, just go with it. If Jordan just kind of like tilts off of his chair and just passes out, we will just let it ride. I got mine on Thursday and uh, had had the chills, but then after that, it felt good. You're, ne- you're muted, Nick. Fuck. God damn it. I was, I had like a quip. Now it's ruined. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll save both of them for later on. Good okay. to see y'all. Sounds good. Hot Vax talk at some point later in the pod. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nick's going to like halfway through our mock, Nick's just going to be like, all right, it's time. This is where I'm going to just drop some fact Vax knowledge. It's like, They're not vaccines. They're gene therapy. According no, to their filings with the SEC. Anyway, literally, literally, no, I had nothing to say. I got my first vaccine. It really messed with me. I had a small, like, allergic reaction, but that's not, no. Anyway, Damn. not not what I was going to talk about. No one's questioning vaccines on the podcast. <laughs> well, don't speak for everyone. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> that's why we all get our own draft picks this week on this- the RB1 podcast. Oh, Clark is segueing us right into it. Yes, it is here. Nick, after after telling us that we needed to take this seriously this time, it is here. Our annual 100% accurate 2021 NFL mock draft. We're taking our mock draft very seriously. Like I said, we made sure Nick has spent his 15 hours preparing for this mock just so you know how seriously we are taking it on this show this week. So there isn't any confusion. This mock is what we think will happen Thursday night rather than what we've done in the past, which is what we think each team should do. We are striving for 100% accuracy here. Uh, So without further ado, let's jump right into it. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Jordan, you're making the pick. Throw a wrench in it. How much time do I have? (laughs) 15 Um, minutes. Please take your time. Um, no, you know what? It's, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, uh, quarterback from Clemson for all the reasons that we detailed in previous podcasts, when we talked about quarterbacks and we just talked about 
Trevor Lawrence in general. Um, he's the top prospect in this class. The Jaguars need a quarterback and they have another pick at 25. So I, maybe I'll be able to address uh, the defensive side of the ball, which they still need some help on and some other things. So not getting complicated here, Trevor Lawrence. I feel like I can confidently say so far, we will be batting a thousand Thursday night when uh, pick one comes in. This is, this is, we are so far 100% accurate. Uh, yeah, no need to hang on this pick. Let's move on. Pick number two, the New York Jets. Clark, you're making this pick. Who will the Jets be selecting? So while the rules were clear, I'm going to do what I want, which is one, I'm going to try to do what I think is going to happen. And then I'm also going to throw in what I would personally do, just in case GM hirers are out there listening to the podcast. This is good. That's a good move by you, Clark, is to like still make sure that we, you know, you're staying on brand uh, or for what this, what the mark draft is going to, you're making sure Nick's head doesn't explode after he's invested 15 hours of, of work. And you're also pitching yourself as uh, like a GM or it's like, look, other GMs, if you're listening or owners, if you're hiring, here's how my take would be different than your stupid GM. I like it. It's a good call. All right. So who and, and sneaky, like, character flaw nick made it a competition so now i want to win uh for whatever reason the jets are going to pick zach wilson and i understand that he is exciting uh but i feel like the jets are chasing uh baker mayfield upside which is fine baker mayfield's fine like if you knew that you were going to get that at the second pick in the draft i feel like you would take that but they don't know that they're going to get that if i'm the gm here i am like begging to trade back to seven or nine to get next year's first. And I'll just take whatever leftover quarterback comes to me. If I can't get a trade partner, seven or nine won't go any lower then my pick here would be Trey Lance. And I'm going to be a broken record on that for like these first eight picks probably, but the jets select Zach Wilson. And this is the jets. They just continue to be not great. Yeah. Clark and I were talking about this before we hit record. The, the fact that Zach Wilson is just like, slotted has somehow has like cemented himself as this number two quarterback and not on people's rankings. Like, I don't think anyone has Zach Wilson ranked as their number two QB, but like somehow the jets have just decided like that, that pairing has just been made and there's been no questions asked. And I think as a, an owner, if you're the owner of the jets, you should be interrogating your GM as to why, why, why is this pick so cemented when there are other quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks out there uh, who you have your pick of who offer a lot more than, than seemingly what Zach Wilson does, but. Especially when you have a history of just our recent history of just not getting this right, that yes. you should probably be, I don't know, maybe throwing some smoke screens or at least fainting that you're like doing some more additional homework other than Zach Wilson, just being number two. All right, pick number three. This is where things start getting interesting in mocks. Uh, the 49ers traded up, obviously, for this pick. And I am taking the selection here. And I have been back and forth on who I think the 49ers are going to take. As so has Kyle Shanahan, it sounds like. It sounds like Kyle Shanahan is also kind of unsure who the 49ers are going to be taking. Hopefully, they will make their decision when the time comes. Obviously, when the trade first happened, everyone was like, okay, it's Mac Jones. Write it, you know. It's happening. This is put it in stone. Uh, I, I am not so sure about that. It's now becoming more of like a Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And here are the breadcrumbs I'm following to think that Trey Lance is going to be the pick. 
the 49ers didn't want to trade Jimmy G and Mac Jones, like his whole calling card or the reason why Shanahan was so excited about him is the fact that Mac Jones can step right into a system and be a starting quarterback for you. So why retain Jimmy G if that is what your ultimate goal is? And personally for me, I can't fathom Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch trading as much as they did to move up for a guy who is who has a capped ceiling because of just what he brings. Like he is a going to be a good quarterback, but he's never going to be a great exceptional quarterback. And when you have potential on the board and you're making that, that much of a move from drafts to capital, I think you're going for traits, not going for like serviceable Um, with Jimmy G under center or with Jimmy G on the roster, Trey Lance isn't pressured to play right away, can learn Shanahan's system, can be evolve into Shanahan's perfect quarterback. Now, the quotes from Shanahan today about, quote, wanting a starting quarterback this year sent me quickly back to Mac Jones. But long or the short of it is, I am going to lock in. Trey Lance is what the 49ers are going to pick, who their 49ers are going to pick at three. I'm like 60% certain of this. Uh, which is actually more confident than I thought about earlier, but Trey Lance is the pick at three. I like it. The only the only thing I will say about Mac Jones is it's it's really interesting and fun to project athletic quarterbacks to take a step forward in processing, and uh, that has been a folly that we as uh, fantasy analysts or just hopefuls looking at the draft have made in the past. Mac Jones is an incredibly solid quarterback. And I think in a different, less exciting quarterback class, he would kind of be yeah. the number one quarterback in consideration if it weren't for Trevor Lawrence, who is very much like Mac Jones, by the way. However, when you see a guy just, I am just huge on Trey Lance. I, when you see something like that available to you, I just don't know how you get away from that picking third overall. Yeah. So I'll try to be as like concise as possible here on this. I think that the pick right now, I think it's, I think it's Mac Jones. Um, I think that the, so the reporting that Schefter's put out as of late is yeah. When they, when they traded up it, the pick like no questions asked, it was Mac Jones. Um, they went to the pro days of fields and Lance for whatever reason, the NFL for a number of reasons, I think, um, uh, wrong reasons. The NFL is lower on on fields than they should be, um, but they they really like Trey Lance right now. I, I think that I think that they are still uh, debating what the pick is. But I think some stuff today, and this is me totally projecting here, but I think that some things today might have kind of upended the apple cart. So from Clev Ta on Twitter, he just highlighted the GM shuffles uh, episode today, where um, Mike Lombardi is talking about how Kyle Shanahan he he runs the whole show. And in their enormous catastrophic press conference today, uh, John Lynch confirmed, yeah, Kyle Shanahan is, he makes, he said his words were something like the draft is my responsibility, but Kyle Shanahan has the ultimate say. And the, what uh, club TA highlighted on, on Twitter was yeah. In the fourth round of whatever draft that was like three years ago, uh, Shanahan just made Lynch pick Joe Williams, the running back who was not even on their, the team's draft board, but he had enough sway that he could walk in and just say, Nope, we're taking this guy. And, and they do that. Um, I don't know if you guys were listeners, if anybody watched Chappelle's show, but he had the segment called when keeping it real goes wrong. And did any of you see Kyle Shanahan's response to, uh, can you commit to Jimmy Garoppolo as being your quarterback? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, we all could be dead tomorrow, so who cares? I can't guarantee you that anybody's going to be alive on Sunday. And he's like furious, like face is right. He is livid that he's being pressed on this. And my reading of it is that this man is tired of his intelligence basically being challenged as though like he's had a month. Like they said, they said uh, they're not listening to the critiques on social media. And Hermsmeyer went out of his way to be like, they are definitely listening to the critiques. They are keeping receipts. Yeah, exactly. So I, today, the, the shit storm that it was, um, I am now thinking that Kyle Shanahan is, I, I think he poured himself a tall glass of something afterwards and said, I'm picking my fucking guy. And I'm going to prove these people wrong. And I, I mean, I think, I, I do think that up until this afternoon, they were seriously debating Lance and Mac Jones. Um, but if, if we're trying to predict the future, I, I think that there are enough signs to indicate Mac Jones, uh, elite pocket athlete, as, as Kyle Shanahan said, he's the most athletic pocket passer in the, anyway, in the draft. Right? I thought that was incredible, but yeah. So there's, no, there's my you, long-winded thing. I think, no, I think you're right, Nick. Like, like I said, I was going back and forth as to who the ultimate pick was going to be. And I think that like, if Mac Jones is the pick, you're, I would not be surprised. The fact that Trey Lance is even in the discussion, I'm trying to put out as much good juju as possible that this is the move that Shanahan actually makes and he comes to his senses. Sorry, Shanahan, come at me. I apologize for questioning your intelligence. But uh, but yeah. He's a smart coach and he puts together great offenses that are very hard to defend against. But if he drafts Mac Jones as his quarterback, then I think other defenses in the NFC West are breathing a sigh of relief because they're like, well, that's one yeah. like less difficult task for us during the week that we have to figure out how to defend. Cause that he's Mac Jones isn't scaring anybody like really. <laughs> so a couple things, and we're probably not going to spend as much time on the 27th pick. This is where the draft starts. So right. I'm glad we're having these yeah. conversations. Um, one, you know, Kyle Shanahan has shown that if Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a, you know, C minus quarterback, can just stay healthy, he can get you to the Super Bowl. That's that's pretty amazing. And so to question that guy and who he wants to get as his quarterback, while fun, I think is <laughs> I, I'm going to believe that if Kyle Shanahan thinks Mac Jones is the guy, I'll bet on that because he's shown – Unlike Sean McVay, who had like a year, and unlike some other offensive coordinators who've had, you know, come and go success, Kyle Shanahan's been winning with CJ Beathard. Like, it's been hard for them to get into the top picks with Shanahan. They keep sniping coaches from him. There's a reason he's lauded as being so successful, and it's not just hype. And, and so while I would go with someone else, if they pick Mac Jones, and Mac Jones has two healthy knees and can get in, 16 games I'm still going to be excited for fantasy for all of the other guys around the 49ers organization and also I just feel like from an organizational standpoint from like a corporate Clark mindset it's really refreshing to have a GM say the coach is deciding it's my choice and I'm letting the coach decide we're going to see how it goes so to to throw a small amount of cold water on on one's pants here uh, the only critique I think that's that's worthwhile of uh, of anything that you had to say there, Clark, was uh, Kyle Shanahan has always been able to field exciting, productive offenses. But as uh, Warren Sharp tweeted out today, his record with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard is eight and twenty-four. 
the question around Mac Jones is, is he Jimmy Garoppolo or is he CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins? And while we may actually be able to get fantasy fruitful offenses with Mac Jones, even if he is Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard, I don't think that it automatically translates to wins. All right, let's move on. Like Clark said, uh, yeah, this is where things start. The top of the draft is where things are exciting. So yes, we might spend some more time here, but that's, you know, that's okay. Uh, So let's go down to pick number four, the Atlanta Falcons. Nick, who are they selecting at four? So I think that the pick will be Kyle Pitts, uh, tight end Kyle Pitts. Um, He looks like a, the only guy we've ever seen who is like this. Um, his, like what his body can do is, is unlike anything else at the position. Um, and he's proven it as a productive player as, as a pass catching tight end slash like X receiver, if they want to roll him out there. Um, the, here are the caveats that I have to say, again, my pick for this is Kyle Pitts. If Trey Lance does not go number three, I think that he will be up for consideration, but so the timeline of events has been Arthur Smith duked it out with the GM said he wanted Matt Ryan. Evidently, he relented, and the GM said, and he said, "Okay, if you want to draft the quarterback, then great, go for it." Since then, though, I guess uh, the reports out of Atlanta are that the general manager has said, "I I love Trey Lance, but I think it is actually going to be Kyle Pitts." And so we've kind of had this little roller coaster thing here. It doesn't mean that that Lance wouldn't be off the board, but I, I think that it will be Pitts over him. The curveball of the whole thing is it was announced publicly today that Julio Jones is potentially on the trade block. Um, looking at his, his cap numbers just very quickly. So, okay. Uh, actually issue number one, the Atlanta Falcons have less than $1 million. Yeah. They can't sign rookies. (laughs) Less than $1 million available this year. That's right. They cannot sign rookies. Julio Jones, they cannot cut him. If they cut him, his dead money for 2021 is $40 million. So they need to trade him. If they are going to try to get him off the roster, it will not be done by cutting him. That's right. So if they find a trade partner, it is very possible this happens. If that happens, is Jamar Chase the pick? Personally, I don't think so, because I think that Ridley has already established himself as the number one pass catcher in the offense. Arthur Smith, like two tight end sets. He wants to feature at least one of them heavily. I think that it's still going to be Kyle Pitts, who will play like downfield X receiver some of right, the time. Right, who could play X for them anyways. It, it could be Chase. It could be Lance. I think it's fifth. Yeah. More on this later. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Kyle Pitts, I feel like is is cementing itself at four. All right, let's go. Pick number five, the Cincinnati Bengals, Jordan, who are they taking? Uh, so this is a pick that I've just went back and forth on over the past couple of podcasts because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do for the Bengals, but looking at their depth chart, I figured this would be the best move. I'm going to go ahead and grab the number five guy on my big board, Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon. And I just think that, you know, this, this is a guy that can just slot in and be a 10 year starter for them. Um, I know there's a lot of hot debate about Jamar Chase as a wide receiver, adding an extra weapon for them. But I, I really think that Cincinnati will be okay with the pass catchers that they do have. And if they can get a guy who can not only help protect, um, Joe Burrow, which was seen as a a need from last year, but also to help Joe Mixon get freed up a little bit, help the run game. Uh, relieve a little bit more pressure off of the passing attack and yeah I just 
looking at their offensive line, they have some pieces, but I was just like, they need a, they need an anchor. Like they need an extra guy in there. And I don't think that Riley reef is the answer. Yeah. Signing Riley Reef shouldn't preclude you from, from drafting at, at tackle. It also feels as we are trying to embody these teams, it feels like very much a Bengals traditional move to like, we're going to go get our left tackle of the future, plug and play. He's there for 10 years. We don't have to think about it. Andrew Whitworth style, as opposed to like, we're going to get super flashy and we're going to go take a wide receiver in the top five picks. So uh, re- referring to something earlier, I said, uh, Michael Lombardi, I th- he said something like the, the Bengals have drafted more receivers than anybody in the last however many years. It's, it's the preposterous number. Um, well, I want to compliment free uh, available work when uh, reliable work when, when it's available. Uh, Evan Silva's mock draft was released today. It's the second to last one. Uh, he's got Jamar Chase here as the number five pick. And the reasoning is that reports coming out of Cincinnati are that ownership is intervening and saying they want Jamar Chase at number five. They want to pair Joe Burrow with his top pass catching weapon from LSU. Um, I personally think that I like the Chase pick more. I would have zero issue with Panay Sewell, but um, I think in terms of like trying to call it, that that's the the best like report that I have seen thus far. Saw it this afternoon today, so wanted to put that in there that potentially Chase due to ownership. Ownership getting spicy. This is also essentially what I would do. Like I would start on the offensive line before anything else. And I think back to like, when was, was AJ green a top five pick or just top 10, at least like he was was a top 10. He was a, and he was a stud receiver for years, but like uh, the Bengals still didn't go anywhere. So. Yeah. I think Jordan's analysis is totally spot on. And we are simpatico in what we would both do with the pick. But I agree with Nick and Evan Silva that I do think the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase. And that makes it interesting for me at number six with the Dolphins pick. Uh, so the I think the smart money for the Falcons is to either take, you know, Trey Lance or Fields, whoever falls to them. And I don't think that they're going to do that. I actually think that this is, while we're not probably going to project too many trades, and I think that that's the right move for doing a mock draft, I think Atlanta trades out of four for someone who wants a QB or takes a QB. And so Miami is ecstatic and runs to the board to draft Kyle Pitts. Just, we overuse the phrase generational talent, and I'm as guilty as, well, I'm probably not as guilty as everyone else, but I'm certainly guilty of it. Uh, But this guy has Calvin Johnson measurables. And because of where football is going, he's just been slotted as a tight end. This person could absolutely dominate as an X. And so we just, we just don't see guys like this. Look at how excited everyone is for all these little five, eight, five, 10 fast wide receivers and Pitts is not much slower than them and he's half of a foot taller that stuff matters size matters and so I I, you know I think Kyle Pitts falls to six amazingly and I think the Dolphins are just giggling on the way to the podium to pick him up yeah if he makes it down there that's clearly clearly the way they go if Kyle Pitts does go at four clerk are you thinking that they then go chase I not at six. I just, I think that they would go offensive line. I think they'd either go with Sewell or 
who's kind of like the second Rashawn Slater. guy for sure. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a great move for them. And I think they'd be happy with that. But I, I think you punt on receiver if Jamar Chase is gone because he's the only guy outside of someone who we'll probably talk about later who has the size to be mm-hmm. <laughs> an NFL mm-hmm. wide receiver. All these other guys are outliers and outliers hit, but it's really hard to bet on them in the top 10. So uh, going off of, I'm sorry, the, the dog is saying hello as he shakes his 10 foot ears. Um, he's a shepherd. Josh Norris has reported that uh, um, Chris Greer of the Miami Dolphins has made clear that he wants to exit this draft with a pass catcher. They're trying to build a team around Tua. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking that it's not going to be in a few other of the mockers that I trust. Silva, Danny Kelly uh, also do not think that this is going to be a trenches pick. They're thinking that it's going to be Jalen Waddle, all three of them. Um, Waddle appears to be a, a unique talent at the position. His size is perhaps the biggest thing that, that folks might be a little bit concerned about but um as far as his ability to one play the position and two outrun everybody else on the field i think that there's very high chance that he's going to be the guy here for miami for those for for you guys uh i am having a i'm currently following along in this mock with uh, the draft network's mock machine just so that i have a record of what our mock is uh, Clark, as the Miami Dolphins, would you feel comfortable in me penning in Jalen Waddle as their pick at number six overall since Kyle Pitts is already off the board in our mock? Yes. Waddle, so as an exception, while he is height-wise smaller, he's a little fire hydrant, and he is just smoking fast. Yeah. So that's that's, that's an exception to the small guy rule. And he pairs nicely with Devontae Parker and uh, and Will Fuller. In a, to build that wide receiver core out. All right, pick number seven is the uh, Detroit Lions. Your boy is on the clock. And, uh, well, Detroit, if this is how the draft is playing out, Detroit is sitting pretty because they are going to 100% without question take Jamar Chase. Uh, they need wide receiver help with Kenny Galladay leaving and with just basically trying to rebuild this offense from whatever it could be to whatever it will be. Uh, and so they are going to go Jamar Chase and take him at number seven overall. I thought about a trade because uh, because I wanted to make a trade happen there. But I think that if there is a, one of the top pass catchers readily available for them at seven, uh, Detroit's going to take that and at least attempt to kind of rebuild this offense. Yeah, I would say that I would probably go quarterback here for them, but they don't necessarily have to do that. They're still like rebuilding they would end up drafting a rookie quarterback and putting him in a really tough situation to win games, which wouldn't be fun for anyone. And the, I guess kind of the consensus right now is that maybe teams should get a quarterback this year. Cause there's not as many available next year, except for maybe like Sam Howell from UNC, but that changes like literally over the summer it'll by football season next by next college football season it'll change and there'll be like i mean joe burrow came out of nowhere to have like you know his amazing season but rocket him up draft boards to number one overall clearly like yeah there'll be guys who come out of nowhere next year mac jones was the second round prospect at best last year so and uh kyle shanahan traded his whole future draft for him so i loathe the Detroit Lions organization. I just wrote my team preview for them and I try to keep it positive. And I just, I just couldn't find anything nice. They ruin careers. And if they pick Jamar chase, 
I'll be very displeased. I will be too. It pains me to pay. It pains me to send him there. Yeah, you don't have anything to worry about, Clark, because Jamar Chase is not going to be a Detroit Lion. Um, more on who, uh, who who the Lions will. You don't have to start calling on. people names. Uh, <laughs> don't call him a Detroit Lion. Um, yeah, I think that there's going to be a trade for this position. That's my like a, official thing, but more on that later. Uh, for the record, though, I think it's going to be some form of Hog Molly or Daddy Trench. Yeah, I was boy. thinking. I think it could have been Rashawn Slater here. He was my other my other option for the Lions, um, and I had that in an earlier mock. But I think with the, the perceived number one pass catcher there at seven, hard for them to say no. Uh, all right, let's move on. Player pick if, number if eight Chase is there. You do it. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. You pull that trigger. Uh, Nick, Carolina Panthers at eight. So uh, for for me, it, it would end up being uh, Panay Sewell. That'd be how I like. Uh, plan this out um, given who I think is going to go ahead of him and all that uh, we'll go BPA in that uh, in that department though and and go with Rashawn Slater I think the Panthers just want to beef beef up the position yep. um, Greg Little is a god awful left tackle and uh, to pat uh, Josh Norris on the back again I mean that that dude is lifelong Carolina Panthers fan he is very well plugged into the organization he has said again and again the, the only quarterback they loved in this draft was Trevor Lawrence. They made zero attempt to try to trade up to get ahead of anybody. Um, signs do not point to the Carolina Panthers being interested in any of the uh, non-Trevor Lawrence quarterbacks. So, I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a left tackle. Yeah. I would feel fully confident in that as well. It's just a solid pick, like – they need help on the offensive line. Rashawn Slater's good. So come on, Clark. I just, I want Fields or Lance to fall here just so that my like two tweets of how can you say spending next year's <laughs> second locks you into a QB can be right. <laughs> I think you're right. I have Rashawn Slater or. I have him going a little bit later, so that mildly irks me, but that would be a really good pick for the Panthers. Yeah. All right, moving on to nine. Ooh, the Denver Broncos, Jordan, have their pick of two quarterbacks. Is that where they're going to go? Um, nope, pick of one quarterback. Nope, two quarterbacks. Mac Jones is still on the board. Doesn't matter. Absolutely <laughs> thrilled to have the number two <laughs> The number two prospect overall on my board and Justin Fields is going to Denver. He is set up pretty snugly with a great pass catching group. Um, The the head coach is obviously defensive minded, but um, I I think Justin Fields will be able to put it together really well in Denver by having a relatively solid infrastructure around him, John Elway notwithstanding. Um, So it's Justin Fields. I love it. The The Devers Broncos offense is just begging to be unleashed. They have yes. so many talented players there. When the worst go-to fantasy player you have is Melvin Gordon, who I'm not a huge fan of. Like, God, you're just waiting for that. And I feel like Fields, if he falls this far, could benefit from the old, we're going to stick with the established starter for four weeks while he gets a little bit more comfortable and then just comes in and, and has a solid – rookie season where they finish poorly and then next year they're picking in the top of the draft and then they could really bolster that offense for him yeah i mean the idea of justin fields throwing to Cortland sutton jerry judy noah fant is uh God. very oh. very arousing 
I think uh, I think that this is that it's very possible that this is the one the the pick that happens. I think that it's going to be Trey Lance, and I think that Justin Fields is going to go somewhere that makes Pete very very happy. Oh, don't tempt me, Nicholas. Don't fucking tempt me. Uh, all right, let's move on to pick number ten: the Dallas Cowboys clacky bands. So my pick of record is Patrick Sertan Jr. The Cowboys defense was pretty bad last year. And this is, I mean, talk about Zach Wilson being penciled in as the number two pick. Almost every mock drafter has the Cowboys taking a corner. What I would personally do, the Cowboys saw what injuries to their offensive line and what mediocre offensive line play can do for them. So I would love to see them build on a strength and just go all in with their offense and take someone like Rashawn Slater, who I know is in our exercise off the board, but I would love to see them do that. I just think they're going to pick a corner, which is super uninspiring, but that is my pick. Yep. Who, by I the way, it. great corner. Like, yes. Yeah. No, I absolutely love it. I loved, I think that that is also uh, a locked in pick like Patrick Sutan at 10 seems. You can, you can write that check home. All right. Going to cut in here quickly for an ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, back to our mock draft. All right, so then we move on to pick number 11, and it is me and the New York Giants. There's a lot of trade down buzz here, but what guard or defensive tackle are you? I know. <laughs> Christian Derisaw out of Virginia Tech, offensive tackle. Uh, no, I think that the Giants are going to pull a Dallas Cowboys here. This is this is the like time that they need to. They've already invested in Kenny Galladay, uh, but I think that they are going to further be like, we need to just give Daniel Jones every single perceivable weapon that he possibly can have. So with Devonta Smith still on the board, uh, he is going to go to the New York Giants. Uh, Galladay has his injury history and the fact that he played only four games last year. He's the best route runner in the draft, and uh, he's the Giants have actually said that they are very high on Devonta Smith because he can play inside and outside uh, in there. And they love to, I mean, they already have a bajillion slot receivers, but uh, this allows them to give another outside receiver who can pair along with uh, Kenny Galladay. Obviously they do have uh, Darius Slayton, but I think Devonta Smith is a much better receiver than Darius Slayton at this juncture. Um, and you can then have Evan Ingram and is Golden Tate still on that team or he Sterling Shepard at least is there. So Sterling Shepard in the slot. Okay, so normally I like to keep it positive, but I really hate this pick. Uh, <laughs> I love, you know, 
Well, sorry, the Giants are a hot mess. But them getting Kenny Galladay from a team-building standpoint made perfect sense. You have Darius Slayton running out of the Y, stretching the field, just a really awesome dynamic down the field receiver. Sterling Shepard slips into the uh, slot role. And then Evan Ingram finally gets to be the tight end. Of course, all of this predicated on Jason Garrett not being the one that's calling the plays for your offense. I feel like they did a good job of setting up their wide receiver room in the offseason. So then making this pick a wide receiver here would be tough. And it, it seems like it would be very un-Gettleman-esque, even though I do love the player and like giving Daniel Jones more weapons. I, I will touch on this momentarily. Okay. Thanks, Nick. This is just a, a wild pick, but it's kind of a, a New York Giants pick to just pick something they absolutely do not need and bringing him into a situation that, I don't know, is he going to be able to get the ball? Because Daniel Jones is getting destroyed. Who knows? Um, if if gonna... either if Rashawn Slater was still here on the board, that's the clear. I mean, I think you could go Christian Darrisaw here uh, and and further improve that offensive line. But I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I honestly, what I think what I think will happen is if this situation plays out as so, and the two top tackles are off the board, there has been a lot of talk about trading down, and that is something that Gettleman has never really done. I don't think he's actually ever done that, but that is an uh, an, an opportunity to which uh, that that could occur. Uh, but let's move on to twelve with the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock. Uh, Nicholas, what's their pick? Yes, I, I think that this one is like up there with Patrick Sertan for certainty as, as Devonte Smith going number 12. Um, the, the giants. Uh, so Gettleman right now is he's drafting for his job. Like he's done the, the, the Galladay signing was like one of the first good things he's really done for this team. It's, it's been pretty bad there. And I think um, he would have a lot to explain to ownership were he to have made the single biggest free agent move like of 2020 by like Kenny signing Kenny Galladay. I mean, that was fucking enormous. Why then? Like he has to then go talk to ownership and say, I know that I just spent all of your money on this guy. And now I have to spend on this draft pick too, to, to take Smith. I just don't think he'll do it. And I think that that the giants will draft an offensive lineman because they're going to, I mean, Shepard's running in the slot. They already have Evan Ingram, like Darius Slayton playing the downfield role. Um, yeah, I think, I think that'll be an offensive lineman. Um, so when it comes to the Eagles, I think it's Smith, but if we're just having to pick guy, like, I think that, that Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman as their like mind meld thing that they do together, where they make all of their decisions together. I think that they are under enough pressure though. Um, where they normally they'll say like, screw it. We're doing whatever we want. I think that they're feeling the heat for not taking a receiver. So I kind of think that they'll just take one. If Smith isn't there, I think it'd probably be like Rashad Bateman. And I know that that's a bit of a reach from like, like he's, he's someone who I was looking at for one of my later in the round teams, but I'm just looking at someone like Rager did not. I mean, he got hurt and stuff when we were thrilled about him, but he did not take that X job. Right. Like they're going to have to ha- have somebody that to put the, a name on the jersey and and right. get seats in or fan, fans in the seats. So Butts in the seats. I, Booties yeah, in the I'll go with Rashad Bateman here, but uh, like if for the for the uh, uh, well, whatever you call it, let me give you this, Nick. Let me give you this. Let me give you this. Since I I I 
I'm going to put on my most Dave Gettleman impression possible. And I will say, I will, I've listened to what you've heard <laughs> and in the most Dave Gettleman way possible. I'm going to say, um, I'm sorry, you guys. I apologize for what I did. And uh, number 11, we're going to put Christian Derrishaw. That's what we're going to do. do. I'm Dave Gettleman. And at uh, number 12, we're going to let the top wide receiver prospect fall right into our opponent's hands, right into our fellow NFC East rival hands. So well done, everyone. Let the record show when Devonta Smith goes to the Giants at 11. Your boy had it. I will write a written apology to you. And I was falling away from it. I will mention it offhand in a future podcast. Not to be the podcast directly after the draft, but sometime (laughs) thereafter. Okay. So I want to chime in on the Eagles drafting a first round wide receiver last year and then doing so again this year. I can't remember who said it, and I'm sorry. It was probably the Football Guys Dynasty show with Chad Parsons, but that is just not something that NFL teams do. If you have a second-round wide receiver, very often you will have a first-round wide receiver the next year or a third-round running back, then you will have a second or first-round running back happen relatively often. But teams do just do not draft wide receivers back-to-back in the first round very often, which I believe is dumb. But I believe that the Eagles will adhere to that and say, well, we've already got Rager. Why would we pick this other amazing super talent? Because, you know, three wide receivers play on most plays. But that's why I think that they, the, the Eagles will be out and they'll pick some uh, uninteresting linebacker or something like that here and just continue to be the Eagles. That's fair. Maybe I shouldn't have thrown such a fit and just went with Derrissaw, but. No, I love it. <laughs> I'm going with Smith for now. <laughs> the picks are going to be swapped. I'm telling you, man, we're going to be 100% up until then, and it's going to go Devonta Smith, Kristen Derrissaw. All right, let's move on to 13. Let's let's start let's start rolling through some of these picks because, good God, this is slow. Uh, Jordan, what are the charges taking at 13? Well, let me take my time here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Okay. Um, I I was actually trying to like fix some things because I'm following along with the spreadsheet myself here. So I think what the Chargers end up doing here is I'm going to, damn it. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and go with the number 10 guy on my board. And that's uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromora. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give them a hybrid linebacker safety to add to that defense that's just going to end up like when Derwin James comes back that if they have JOK here they're going to be doing a bunch of weird stuff weird coverages they're going to have Derwin in the box they're going to have JOK in the box they're going to be able to confuse people they have some other needs Um, I have offensive line uh, defensive back and uh, wide receiver here, but I don't think there's anybody that's like, I have Rashad Bateman really high on my board and I hope to get him for a team later because I really like him, but he's basically Keenan Allen 2.0. So I'm not going to draft them another Keenan Allen. Um, so JOK is my pick for the chargers here. This pick is no JOKE on to the next one. <laughs> Nick is feeling himself, baby. He's riding that high. Yeah, All right, well, bound. <laughs> pick 14 minnesota vikings is uh who's that clark what do you got yeah so i love jordan's pick because the chargers uh 
just hired former defensive coordinator from the Rams, really super creative guy. So getting a, uh, getting a multifaceted player like that, I think is super interesting for that team. And I think a coach looking to make a name for himself, that could be very interesting. Everybody kind of slotting in offensive line for those guys, but the way that this draft has uh, turned out so far, that may be a little prohibitive anyway. So the point is, uh, Several drafts have the Vikings addressing their pass rush, and that makes sense. They were graded as the worst pass rush by PFF. And while PFF grave had their own problems, I do think that they're at least directionally accurate. So I'm picking Aziz Ojolare, probably saying that wrong, Edge out of Georgia. Uh, his knocks are that he sometimes gets stuck on blocks and may not be the biggest guy in the world. I love taking knocks like that on an SEC player whose, you know, pros are he flies around the field and looks just like an absolute baller. So the Vikings need help on D and I'm going to give it to him with a, like probably a bit of a reach, but a safer player in Ojolari. I'm saying that wrong. Jordan, I need your help. I, I think that's right. Aziz oh, Ojolari. Yeah. That yes. sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I must say that I like this pick a lot more than what I thought you were going to go with Clark, which is drafting Kyle Rudolph again. Oh, if only. <laughs> oh my gosh. Kyle Rudolph is back entering the draft. What? Actually speaking of past episodes, I distinctly told myself you cannot draft only tackles and running backs in this year's <laughs> mock. And I didn't. Let the record show. Let the record show that Clark is breaking his normal trend. Um, shit. I'm picking a 15 for the Patriots, and I like Nick's draft a lot more where Justin Fields is sitting here instead of Mac Jones. <laughs> that being said, Mac Jones, I mean, Kyle Shanahan loves Mac Jones because you can plug Mac Jones and Mac Jones will make the throw. Bill Belichick is going to love Mac Jones because you plug Mac Jones and Mac Jones makes the throw. So, uh, yeah, this is the clear and obvious move here for the Patriots. They're, if Mac Jones is sitting there on the board, they are going to take him at 15. No questions asked. I had seen a lot of, I had seen some reports that the Patriots were looking to move up into the top 10, but I've also seen more recent reports that they're looking to move out, uh, trade down, which is very Bill Belichickian. Um, if Mac Jones isn't here, I also really like them addressing their defense, the middle of their defense, and getting someone like Micah Parsons. But Mac Jones at 15. You're locking that in and you're not asking questions. I'd just like to say again, in defense of Mac Jones, Mac Jones going 15 is right. Like yes. that's a really good pick. It's just it's Mac Jones yeah. at three to perhaps the most dynamic offense in the NFL seems underwhelming. Fully agreed. You wait, yeah, Bill Belichick's Josh McDaniel's offense is the most dynamic in the NFL? Shocking. To your credit, uh, Pete, yeah, Lombardi did say he in his in his defense of uh, Shanahan and and the Niners trading up, he, he was saying like they didn't know if if uh, if Belichick was going to be the one to trade up to like six to try to steal Mac Jones. I, yeah, yeah, I, he just he feels like a very a very Belichick quarterback. Um, number sixteen, the Arizona Cardinals. Nick, what do you got? So I, I uh, have tip to Josh Norris for catching uh, Pete Schrager, who's annually one of like the most accurate mockers out there. He's had back-to-back -back mocks uh, with the cards trading up and selecting a wide receiver. Um, I, I think so. I think actually like Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith could be the pick 
Uh, he had them trading up, I think, last time um, with Detroit. Uh, so that could be interesting. But given their positional needs and the talent uh, uh, at this point in the draft left, I'm going to go with cornerback J.C. Horn. Yeah, love that. He's he's a perfect guy for them. He'll he will look like and remind Cardinals fans of Patrick Peterson, and that's just going to be lovely for everyone. I hope not, because Patrick Peterson was the most penalized cornerback in the league last year, and is no longer good at football. Patrick Peterson, when he was a rookie coming in out of LSU, J- plus J. Patrick Peterson. Horn. Go ahead, Jordan. J.C. Horn is very aggressive as a quarterback, so yes. you might get a couple. That, there, plays. there might be similarities in that in that view as well. Uh, plus, Patrick Peterson's about to be really good in Minnesota because he's going back to that number seven because new rule changes have allowed number flexibility, and it pissed old Tom Brady off to the high heavens. <laughs> and that was a glorious Twitter meltdown to witness. Um, number seventeen. Who's picking for the Raiders, Jordan? Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this is this is going to be tough because I think that the Raiders should be drafting like an entire right side of the offensive line for like <laughs> the next four rounds. But I am going to take Micah Parsons from Penn State. Um, he's in the top ten for prospects for me, and he's an inside linebacker. I know they just signed Corey Littleton last year or was it that this year last year uh they already have a guy like that but adding Micah Parsons who could play potentially just right alongside him he's a pretty decent pass rusher himself and the Raiders don't have a good pass rush so I think it helps them in uh, multiple areas and they just need a lot of defensive help in general so yeah Micah Parsons yep I like that call a lot all right moving on Pick number 18, the Miami Dolphins. Clark Barnes, what are they doing after uh, getting their, what, wide receiver? Nope. Well, you said they were getting Kyle Pitts, but we said they got Jalen Waddle. Yeah. So another <laughs> nod to Peter Schrager here. Um, tackle out of Oklahoma, Tevin Jenkins. I think that they can wait and still get a very solid piece on the offensive line here. Uh, he played right tackle, which is kind of the natural blind side for Tua. And I just Good feel point. like this just slides very well to them. Uh Electing to trade Laramie Tunsil's highest paid left tackle contract for probably as good of a tackle and Kyle Pitts. Fuck you, Texans. <laughs> I like this pick. Um, I have Elijah Vera Tucker a couple slots higher than Tevin Jenkins, but I think based on like the culture building that we see happening in Miami, that Tevin Jenkins just adds to that because he is a he's a finisher on the offensive line. Like he wants to put the guy he's blocking right into the turf. And I love that for Miami. Yeah. uh, The ETR guys had Scott Smith on uh, for their podcast that came out today. And they, they made the same point that you did Clark with the having, having the blind side blocker, so to speak on the right side of the line with Tua being a lefty. I think this is perfect. And Jordan, it's beautiful that you brought up Elijah Vera Tucker because I am the Washington football team at pick number 19 and given the fact that they allowed the second most sacks last year, uh, they're going to go and draft Elijah Farrah Tucker to sure, help sure up that offensive line. He can play inside, outside for them. And they've invested a lot this offseason in this offense, bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick, bringing in Curtis Samuel, um, and then obviously hoping to build around Terry McLaurin and uh, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. You can't do that if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have the time to throw YOLO bombs downfield. So AVT is the pick. 
I like this for them too, because they need offensive line help after letting um, the guy who just signed for a billion dollars in San Francisco resigned. Him. Why am I blanking? Trent Williams. Trent Williams. It's happening right now. Mark it. <laughs> 654. Vax, Vax 2 is kicking in. Quick, Nick, time for your Vax take. <laughs> no, I, vaccines are good. I, I'm not. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's not a, not, no, 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 no. Uh, all right, pick number 20, the Chicago Bears. Nicholas, you are picking for them. Uh, so Bears ownership is reportedly so infuriated with Anthony Miller, who got in a fight with uh, Chancey Gardner-Johnson, the Saints uh, defensive back, um, who who I, I've I've heard uh, – oh, shit, am I forgetting that? Yeah, Silva's compared him to the new Cortland Finnegan. You guys remember him? He'd like mm, to take yes. fights with people Yo, all the time. Yo, Cortland Finnegan oh. fighting Andre Johnson is one of the greatest – pieces of footage i mean getting his ass kicked oh just getting absolutely portland finnegan trying to talk shit and andre johnson flipping him and just pe- oh my god it's incredible. getting punched through his helmet and he lost oh my god and my favorite part is the league going you know what we don't really blame you yeah. <laughs> so, like, no, that's that's legit that's fair yeah ownership is is like furious with anthony miller who's like their only other good player on the bears um offensive side of the ball Besides Allen Robinson, uh, so naturally they've been um, they've made it known that they want to get rid of him, and he is their starting slot receiver. So I think that they're going to go ahead and make a pick this summer, wondering if injuries are an issue, size is an issue, and they're going to select Rondale Moore to come in and replace Anthony Miller. Oh damn! Okay, Rondale Moore rocketing up the draft board. That would that would fall in line with. The Bears, even though I like, I don't him endorse this player. Pick. No, no. Even <laughs> though I like him as a player, like your whole reasoning for why they're making this decision is more Matt Nagy than Matt Nagy's. Yes, car registration. I don't know. Yeah, this sounds about right for Chicago, and I, I think that if they do get Rondale Moore and he is healthy and performs well, he could play in like the Tariq Cohen role that they've been trying to force him to do the entire time since Nagy's been there. So. I could finally be a piece that actually fits there. All right, pick number Andy Dalton. Sorry. (laughs) Good old Andy Dalton. Uh, Pick number 21, the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Jordan, you're on the clock. So they do, again, this is another team. I, let's just put a blanket statement that I just think that offensive line is a need for every single team. Jordan, think, my offensive line draft would be the best podcast all year. <laughs> I just think you need five of them, five good ones at all time. You're only as good as your weakest offensive lineman. So I just think, but in this case, I'm going to flip to the other side of the ball for the Colts and grab them. Jalen Phillips, uh, the edge out of Miami there. He's a little bit of an unknown at this point, um, but he was a highly regarded recruit. He played at UCLA before quitting football and then transferring to Miami and then picking it back up and like really starting to dominate though. And uh, he's an athletic freak. And I think that if uh, this front office drafts him with the other pieces that they have along that defense, that he could be a really good asset for them. And they haven't re-signed Justin Houston yet. So it also is kind of a need. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite thing about reading up on this prospect is that he, I believe, went to, was it USC or UCLA? And Bruins. 
uh, yeah, suffered an injury while riding his scooter. And I feel like nothing is more Southern California than that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, in keeping with it. Uh, all right, pick number 22, the Tennessee Titans. Clarky Barnes back on the clock. Again, I'm ecstatic for how things have fallen. And this may Love be it. a little too straight line with Corey Davis and Johnu Smith leaving, but I'm so excited that we can run to the podium and get Rashawn Bateman, who for whatever reason has fallen this far in the draft and is probably the second or third best wide receiver in this class. Clark and I are like hive mind right now because I have Rashad Bateman like number six on my board. And I think maybe subconsciously I didn't pick him earlier for another team because I'm like, let's just let him drop to 29, please. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's not happening because at 27, I picked for the Ravens and I am now upset that he won't be falling into my lap. But uh, at number 23, the New York Jets, who did fall into my lap. Now there are issues and worries about his back. However... At 23, the Jets are willing to overlook that for to draft Caleb Farley, who is 6'2", big physical corner uh, out of Virginia Tech, which is the kind of cornerbacks that you need in Robert Sala's defense. And uh, and they're going to take the last of the kind of top top guys here to sure up that offense or defensive uh, pass defense. I was ranked trash. It was 28th last year in pass DVOA. So got to improve on that. This might be the injury guy that scares me the most. Like having those two back injuries that, ah, I don't know. He's an athletic freak, but I don't know. if it, Which also me. just screams Jets being like, we're going to draft this guy on full potential and then and not sadly coming to fruition because he is injured. Pick number 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nick, you're on the clock. And they're going to take Najee Harris because they're a bunch of fucking donkeys. Um <laughs> It's a real bad move. Their offensive line is terrible, but uh, I I think that this team is of the opinion that they are going to solve their running game by drafting a first-round running back. Um, Somewhere in the bowels of Warren Sharp's timeline, he he broke down the the per-play productivity of all of their running backs last year. Pretty much negligible. Whoever was on the field didn't really matter. It was all god-awful, but I think that's the way this organization will build the team. Yes, I want to quickly I want to quickly touch on this fact that like everyone thinks on Twitter that drafting Najee Harris is like who's going to stop this Steelers offense when they have Najee Harris in their backfield to go with Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster and Ben Roethlisberger. And it's like, well, Ben Roethlisberger one, two, they don't have an offensive line, so that's never like it's just a running back is not instantly going to just mid completely uh, make the offensive line struggles evaporate and dissipate and no longer exist. So I agree with you, Nick, this feels like the pick and it's a dumb pick. So this pick is wrong. And I agree (laughs) with what Nick is saying, even though Najee Harris is my favorite running back in this class, Nick or uh, Pete, you nailed it. The only thing that could hold Najee Harris back is Ben Roethlisberger. So uh, Pittsburgh is definitely going to select some cornerback that we've never heard of like they do every year. And good luck to them. Screw you, Pittsburgh. The Steelers offensive line was bad before Marquise Pouncey retired. And now he's gone. So it's tough. I love how much we are disagreeing with our 100% own mock draft. (laughs) This way Uh, we're... As a pod, more accurate. Exactly. 
that's why we should all be hired as the GM for multiple NFL franchises. And Najee Harris is going later. So (laughs) Najee Harris is going later. Uh, Pick 25, Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe that is Jordan. You are on the clock. I forgot I was on the clock again, so I haven't been looking at my big board. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars are going to select... I'm going to give him a little defensive back help and grab Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Um, he's a little sneaky flying under the radar. I think as a cornerback, so I haven't seen him go much higher than the late twenties, uh, potentially into the early twenties. He's a good cornerback. He has good athleticism. I think playing at Northwestern, maybe just like, I don't know. I, I think big 10 and schools in the North make people think that, the players are slower than they actually are. So it's a little bit of a, a weird dynamic there, but Jacksonville definitely needs some cornerback help. And they've proven in the past that they can actually bring up some corners as long as they don't like piss them off and make them force a trade in three to four years. That's fine. Yep. All right. Moving on to pick 26, uh, Cleveland Browns, Clark Barnes on the clock. I like it. And so taking a page from friend of the pod, Danny Kelly, I have the Browns selecting Zaven Collins out of Tulsa. He's a giant linebacker who can play the edge. He can go defensive end in a 4-3 or really be just a giant linebacker in a 3-4. So I feel like this would be good for the Browns, whose offense is pretty well set, hoping that Odell Beckham will come back. But if not, they just kind of lean on the run game. So getting a giant thumper for the defense, I think, would be a great move for them down here. I like that move a lot for them. Uh, pick number 27 is Baltimore Ravens. You can bet. Who, by the I, way, Pete. So I was going to have this real, me real saucy trade through going text up to the Vikings. earlier. Yep. Yeah. So, so Pete, you know, broke my heart. He's like, hey, I want to do a deal. I want to trade out of the Vikings pick. And so all other GMs in the NFL beware. And then none of the top three wide receivers fell to number 14. So that was not going to happen. So it's that we are happy. One of them did fall to 22. Come on. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Well, I was kind of hoping that he was going to fall all the way to, uh, to 27. I was going to, if you didn't take him, if he didn't go at 22, if Rashad Bateman was sitting at 23, because I controlled the jets, I was going to have the Ravens move up with the, uh, with the jets to, to snag him there. But instead at 27, in order to get in front of the saints and the Packers, the uh, Baltimore Ravens who have said that they will not leave this draft without a first round wide receiver. And now they have two first round picks after trading Orlando Brown to the uh, uh, Cleveland, Kansas city chiefs. There we go. Uh, they're going to go t- get Terrence Marshall out of LSU six, three wide receiver gives them a big physical guy on the outside to pair with Marquise Brown with Mark Andrews in the middle, help give some, uh, pass catching weapons for uh, for Lamar Jackson to help this passing game fully reach its pinnacle. Love it, giant monster. We've become so obsessed with these little wide receivers that look really great on certain routes. I think that we forget being tall and fast is really helpful in the NFL, especially since <laughs> every corner we've drafted so far is like six two. So <laughs> corners are getting big. I think it's really interesting. I my info on the Ravens is is more or less the opposite that they've been unwilling to to commit on on selecting a, a receiver in the first round. So this I think this is fantastic news. Yeah. No, I I just seen somewhere that, uh, and I was trying to bring it up 
but I accidentally hit a button and a pick got made for me. So that's annoying. <laughs> uh, but yes, that, that the Ravens are looking that there will have a wide receiver. Uh, 28 is the New Orleans Saints. Nicholas on the clock. Yeah, you made this really easy for me because uh, I had a, a list of three guys. Uh, I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. Um, I think that the Saints are in need of a safety blanket weapon. They've got Michael Thomas to fucking do everything on the field. Um, Nick Underhill is high on uh, on Traquan Smith as this actually potentially being his breakout year as their downfield threat. We'll see if it happens. Um, with Jared Cook gone, uh, they have uh, Adam the Big Fish Troutman stepping into uh, full-time receiving tight end role. Probably not going to be too prolific of a player. Um, outside of that, they need some help. And I think that, that Elijah Moore is a guy who can, who can fill in slot duties and uh, take over some, some safety blanket stuff and, and learn how to run routes out of the slot from Michael Thomas, which I don't know if there's anybody better to teach you. Yeah. So I, I love Elijah Moore in this draft and for dynasty, he's going super late and a guy worth picking up because in a class of tiny undersized receivers, he's shown that while small, he can absolutely dominate the slot. Going to the Saints would be a little tough, but he is mocked there by a lot of smart people. So can't argue with that guy. Just really, really like him. And it would just be so sad if it's Taysom Hill under center for a little more. No, thank you. Or 30 for 30. Uh, what's his name? Jameis Winston. Ugh. 30 for 30, though. That has a nice ring to it. It's much more marketable. Someone should do something with that. Someone, I feel like there should be like a show that is that is about 30 for 30. Uh, all right, let's, uh, what do we got? Who are we at? We're at Packers. Jordan, your boys, pick 29. All the wide receivers off the board. Oh, no. Uh, full disclosure, what I should have done in this draft, and what could actually happen because the Packers have done this before, is trade up to exactly the 21 spot. Um, and I had control of the Colts and I could have just forced that. Oh, to Jordan. Get a player that I really Missed wanted. opportunity. I could have went up and gotten Bateman, but this is, uh, I don't know. I'm a little cloudy, but I'm going to do something <laughs> super weird. And it's only because he's available and the Packers have probably no need for um, this position, but I'm going to go with Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Uh, he is an athletic bendy edge guy and i don't know if you guys saw the uh video that was kind of circulating around today or yesterday of quitty pay doing some drills that he was like uh doing like the backpedaling drill that defensive backs do and he looked like he was a defensive back so i'm like why don't they just put this guy out on the field and let him run around and uh play see if he can play in coverage uh see if he can just come screaming off the edge just rotate the smith brothers Rashawn gary and quitty pay and make life difficult for opposing quarterbacks through the pass rush even though they have some some other spots i just didn't feel comfortable with a few other guys in the first round and i think they'd be better off waiting or trading forward or trading back even i really like this you can never have oh sorry you, you oh. can never have too many athletic pass rushers, pass rushers. He has been mocked way higher. And the kind of knock on him is that he's just an athletic freak. And at number 10, that's really hard to take. 
But at number 29, that's exactly the shot that you want to take, especially on like a pretty good Packers defense. And if all of the wide receivers that you hope fall are gone, this would be a really solid pick for Green Bay. Reuniting with Sean Gary with uh, Kitty Pay, who both they both played in Michigan. I know Jordan's got it. I know you. I know you're tuned into that. Uh, pick number 30, Buffalo Bills. Clark, you're on the clock. Rubbing his hands. Uh, so with uh, Josh Allen learning how to pass as an NFL quarterback last year, I believe that the Bills take a step forward and draft Najee Harris here in an attempt to prolong the career of Josh Allen. You just get to do it all back. May not be the most athletic, may not be the most exciting, but he can do everything. He can catch passes. He can pass block quicker than fast, but that's okay. Just a super solid pick here at number 30, disregarding that he's already been picked earlier in our mock. Classic Clark. So, yeah, this is this is good because this is so, so, so wrong. Um, the Bills front office will not use a first-round pick on a running back, especially after spending back-to-back third-round picks to, to get their, like, one-two punch. Say what you will if you like Devin Singletary. Which are not, not. good. Um, I mean, it's, the thing with Zach Moss is tough because he had he, he had a toe sprain in late September. They didn't have a training camp. I think jury's probably still out on him. But, no, I, I, I don't – it would fly in the face of everything that the, the Bills franchise – stands for what they've built themselves in uh what yeah what they've what they've they created build them to be there you go thank you um yeah to take a running back this early i it's funny i had a, de- a debate about this earlier on today and uh, i know a lot of beat writers think that it's going to happen i think that they should hire me hey. instead of those beat writers um, <laughs> even a blind hog roots up an acorn every once in a while that's right uh yeah so i i think it's it, this is much more likely to be somebody that affects the uh the the passing game on the defensive side of the football their their pass defense took a step back last year and they build their team similar to the chiefs start with the the passing offense then address the pass defense and everything else the chips sort of fall where they may and then late in the first round draft your franchise running back <laughs> that, that worked so well for the chiefs last year oh dude Clyde Edwards Hilaire is gonna go bonkers this year even though he had just an okay rookie draft now having said all of that Nick you're right I just want this to happen it's fair it's always always wish casting is widely encouraged on this show if I don't put it out on the pod it's 14 percent less likely to happen these are facts. These are facts. Uh, who am I clicking for the draft in our draft network? Who are the Bills selecting? <laughs> I need a name that's not already drafted. The Ravens again? No, 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 no. But who are the Bills going with? You Similarly to how you said that Trey the Trey Sermon already- would be the number two back in this draft if people were smarter. And so I'll say that. But he's definitely not going to go until the second round. No, and then he's going to surprise gonna. people like Nick Chubb, who thought freaking Sony Michelle was better. All right. Cool. Well, I can't put a blank spot in here. So. Trey Sermon, pencil it in. Trey Sermon. All right, Trey Sermon's going to the Bills. <laughs> I like the Patriots just catching a stray there by saying they drafted Sony Michelle out of Nick Chubb. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. All right, pick number 31. The Baltimore Ravens are back on the clock after their trade, and they are going to address their pass rush here. This is a really nice spot for them. They could, I think they were going to – I was trying to go up for a wide receiver, but instead – uh, they're going to draft, where did he go? Jason Owe, uh, and who brings to them the Ravens, 
lost two pass rushers, top two pass rushers this offseason in free agency. Jason Owe, uh, elite physical tools, could have the highest upside amongst the edge, but the biggest knock on him and the reason why he's dropping is he didn't record a sack in 2020. But I don't think that that really matters to Baltimore because their pass rush is so scheme dependent that it is, they blitz a lot. It's a, you know, it's a scheme where you have a lot of these, they just seem to be able to kind of like drum up edge pressure extremely well. And so when you have someone who is physically gifted and will be able to make a, you know, use their body in a way to just get past people and operate perfectly in the scheme uh, that that will produce some, uh, you're not asking them to go one-on-one and just win. I think there's going to be a much more scheming around it. So Jason Owe at 31 for the Ravens as their didn't latest they, pass rush product. Didn't they, uh, like Penn State, didn't they also just not play a lot of games for him to even record a sack? Or am I thinking of a different squad and pass rusher? Because there's a, I can't remember who it is. There's an edge rusher on here, and I think it's Jason Owe, who the knock is, oh, he doesn't have a lot of sacks, but also... You know, yeah, he, he just had, played he in 20 pressures. collegiate football games. Yeah, he just did not play in a, a lot of football games. So I like this for Baltimore because they are a team that could use a edge rusher, especially after Judon's gone now. And yep. they, they need a little bit of help on defense that has been otherwise solid for the past couple of years. All right. Nicholas, wrap up this 100% accurate draft in which Trey Sermon is going 30th overall. <laughs> Who are the Bucks taking at 32? So I think this one, this pick will be made uh, with a look towards the future, either Ndamukong Sue or uh, Jason Pierre-Paul are likely to leave this team, which means that they're going to want some sort of big bodied defensive lineman, hopefully someone who can play both defensive end and kick inside when they would like him to. I've debated this a lot between uh, the uh, big bodied interior guy, Levi Onzerkike. That is a close pronunciation of his name. Uh, shout out to my buddy, James Wolf for the tip on him. Um, just a, a, a big, big dude who can play both uh, in, or mostly inside and can, can go on the outside. But I think the guy that I'm going to go with here is Wake Forest edge rusher, Carlos Basham Jr. Uh, our guy, Danny Kelly, has comped into Adrian Claiborne. Uh, so with the former Bucks comparison and the uh, incoming need for an extra in inside outside defensive lineman slash rusher. Um, yeah. Yeah. We I will take that. Fashion. Yep. Sweet. Well, there we go. We did it. We've completed our 100% accurate uh, 2021 NFL draft. So no bother watching it on Thursday night. It will have happened exactly in this order. I like how for all the chatter we had, or I had at least about trades, uh, no trades. No trades. And I know that they're hard to predict and they instantly uh, mess you up, but man, I really wanted, I wanted, I wanted one of those receivers to fall so I could be spicy with the Ravens. Really what I wanted was uh, Mac Jones not to just fall into the lap of the Patriots. So I could try it up. Anyway, to be fair. We've already had a lot of first round movement. So it's like, we it's haven't had to consider that as much this year. Maybe. Yeah. People have already kind of gotten into their position to where they want to pick. All right. Well, there we go. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy uh, basketball shows. Follow us on Twitter at the RB1 podcast, at RB1 podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27, and Nicholas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. 
We will be back at you next week. Everyone enjoy the draft. Until then, peace!